Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, now as we hear your word, fill us with your spirit. Soften our hearts that we may delight in your presence. Sharpen our minds that we may discern your truth. Shape our wills that we may desire your ways. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. The scripture reading for today comes from the book of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This is the word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 36 to 43. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Her life overflowed with good works and compassionate acts on behalf of those in need. About that time, though, she became so ill that she died. After they washed her body, they laid her in an upstairs room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, when the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two people to Peter. They urged, please come right away. Peter went with them. Upon his arrival, he was taken up to the upstairs room. All the widows stood beside him, crying as they showed the tunics and other clothing Dorcas made when she was alive. Peter sent everyone out of the room, then knelt and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes saw Peter and sat up. He gave her his hand and raised her up. Then he called God's holy people, including the widows, and presented her alive to them. The news spread throughout Joppa, and many put their faith in the Lord. Peter stayed for some time in Joppa with a certain tanner named Simon. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Gracious God, our shepherd and our light, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer, amen. As a freshman in high school, I can remember sitting in Mrs. Johnson's classroom and her constantly reminding us that history 
is important. She would say, history is important. History is a map. When we take seriously the work of history, of learning our story, think of it as a map where we learn where we were and how we got to where we are, but also so that we can imagine and think about where we are going in the future. Mrs. Johnson's words have stuck with me, perhaps because I just love maps, perhaps because it reminds us that we don't dwell in the past, but we learn from our history to gain insight into our future. We do historical work to move forward. The book of Acts is a historical account. It is a historical account of the early church. It allows us to learn about the church and to move forward today. This passage that we read this morning, that I just read, is only one scene. It's one scene in the book of Acts, which is one bit and not all of the early church history. It is part of the map of who the church is. Each passage, a scene that gives us a picture and a snapshot of where we were. Where we were as those earliest congregations and how the good news spread throughout the world. They say that a picture is worth a thousand words and Luke, the author, of Acts gives us a whole bunch of these pictures that help us to understand where we were as the early church with the ministries of Peter and Paul, the growing of this early Christian movement, this movement that began around 2,000 years ago. Early congregations who gathered in homes, who read letters from the likes of Paul and Peter and John, they discussed their faith and their lives all while trying to figure out exactly what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. They shared meals together. They baptized. They worshiped together, and they lived as God's people, transformed and always transforming through God's grace. Just at the beginning of that Christian movement, that Christian movement and history that weaves and flows throughout millennia, with the continual guidance of the Holy Spirit that has brought us here today, this morning, as this congregation gathered here in this space. Our church certainly looks a little different than that first church in Joppa, or one of those first churches in Joppa. And yet it is the same God, that same Holy Spirit, that same Good Shepherd who leads and restores, who anoints that shame, good, same good shepherd who causes our cups to overflow and hopefully causes our good works to overflow as well. Here we are as followers of Jesus trying to figure out where we are and where we are going as a community together. And I think that we can learn a few things from our sisters and brothers in Joppa from this collection of people, this congregation gathered in an upper room. So what are the things we learn? What are those lessons that we can glean from this snapshot of the early church? We learn that the disciples did good works. They cared for outcasts and remained true to the call to care for the least and the lost, the poor and the vulnerable, to care for the widows. Tabitha's good works are described as overflowing and for all those in need. 
not just for her church or her friends or the nice people or the people who looked like her or the people who could pass a drug test, but for all those who are in need. Compassionate acts and good works overflow. We learn that the church gathers together. In a moment of grief and crisis, at the illness and death of Tabitha, of one of the disciples, the church comes together. They gather in an upper room. They wash the body of their beloved friend, and they mourn together as a community, not as individuals on their own, but as a collected body gathered in. We gather together on Sundays, and we gather for occasions now both joyous and sad for weddings, for funerals, for baptisms, for parties, and to worship. As a community, the church gathers. It gathers together. We learn that the church is connectional. It is in communication. It's not isolated congregations. When we hear that the disciples, we hear that the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, which is about 10 miles from Joppa, about a four-hour walk. They ask if he can come. They send two people to take this journey to fetch him. Somehow they knew that he was in Lydda, and they went to him, and they brought him back, and he came to Joppa. The church is connected. It's in communication. It doesn't do this all by itself. We also learn that the church is reliant on God. When Peter arrives and is brought to Tabitha's deathbed, he kneels and he prays. Kneeling as a sign of respect and submission to God, a surrender as he turns to prayer and calls upon God, not upon his own magic formula or some magical form of CPR to revive Tabitha, but he prays. He turns his trust and places his trust in our good shepherd who guides, who leads, and in this case, who restores very life to Tabitha. He trusts and relies on God. We learn that the church has hope. Even in the face of death, there is hope. Tabitha grew so ill that she died. Her body was washed. And yet they still called for Peter. Were they calling him to join in with the community who are paying their respects? Were they calling with the hope that he might raise her from the dead? Were they just simply hoping that he would be there? But nonetheless, we hear that it is an urgent call. They called him with urgency, come now, come quickly. And after having prayed, Peter turned to Tabitha and said, Tabitha, get up. And she got up. Even in the face of death, in this moment there is hope. Hope in the power of God. Hope in the one who raised Jesus from the grave and the one who has now raised Tabitha as well. The church has hope in the resurrection. The church has hope even and perhaps most especially in the face of death. We learn also that the church keeps on going, and it keeps growing and changing. After Peter presented Tabitha to God's holy people, including the widows, we are told, 
the word spread, and many put their faith in the Lord. So the church was growing, presumably baptizing new members into the faith, as we will do today. The church started, this Jesus movement started with Jesus calling to two or three disciples on a beach in Galilee. And today there are an estimated 2.2 billion Christians in the world. The church could have ended if the fishermen had said, you know what, Jesus, I like my fish. It's a steady source of income. I know what I'm doing. What, why would I follow you? But it didn't end there. The Jesus movement could have ended on Good Friday when Jesus was crucified and died. But it didn't end there. It could have ended at the ascension when the resurrected Christ left the disciples and returned to heaven to be seated on the right hand of the parent, our God. But the church did not end there either. It would have been possible that the church, so heartbroken at Tabitha's death, could have ended as Tabitha died. But it didn't. Even without Jesus' physical body among us, the church continues because we have been gifted the Holy Spirit and we are still guided and shaped and shepherded by Christ who is our guide, who is our shepherd. The church continues even if it doesn't always look the same. And the church continues to grow and in growing it changes. And I think that's one of the things that makes me so comfortable in the Reformed tradition, that tradition that the Presbyterian Church grows out of, because I think the ch they actually got this spot on. The church is reformed and always reforming according to the word of God, interpreted with the help of the Holy Spirit. The church is always reforming. It's always moving and growing and changing but always with the help of God and the Spirit. Christian author, blogger, and theologian Rachel Held Evans recently passed away, and she wrote in one of her books, Lately I've been wondering if a little death and resurrection might be just what the church needs right now. If maybe all this talk of waning numbers and shrinking influences means our empire-building days are over. And if maybe that's a good thing, death is something empires worry about, not something gardeners worry about. It is certainly not something that resurrection people worry about. Resurrection people, Christians who trust in the power of God, believing that God is constantly doing a new thing in our midst. And we trust that God is faithful. We trust in the words of the 21st, 23rd Psalm, we trust that even when things look dark and scary, we will not be afraid because God is with us, because God is faithful to who God is, and by the power of the Holy Spirit is continually doing a new thing. I'm reminded of the words of the prophet Isaiah, look, I am doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up, don't you recognize it? I'm making a way in the desert, paths in the wilderness. A way in the desert and paths in the wilderness. These are new things in improbable places. 
These are life out of death. As First Pres looks forward, discerning our future as a church and what we will look like, we are working on mission and vision statements. We are imagining and reimagining. We are trying new things. We may need to let a few things die so that God can bring new life and resurrection in our midst. But we do these new things so that we can work together because we know God loves us and we want to make God's love visible. Our future will certainly look different than first century Joppa, than fifth century Rome, than 25th century wherever we may be at that point in time. We know that it'll look different, but I think there's something core in that map that we looked at in Joppa about who we are as a church, about who we are as a church where compassion and good works overflow in our lives, where we gather together in community, where we are connected with one another. The church that is reliant and trusting in God, the church that is going to keep going and changing and ebbing and flowing throughout history. But most of all, the church is hopeful, even in the face of death, because our God is a God of resurrection. Our God raised Jesus from the grave. Our God raised Tabitha from her bed. Our God is constantly doing a new thing. Our God brings new life. Amen. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Obeying the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and confident of his promises, we baptize those whom God has called. In baptism, God claims us and seals us to show that we belong to God. God frees us from sin and death, uniting us with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. By water and by the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, the body of Christ, and we are joined to Christ's ministry of love and peace and justice. Let us remember with joy that we have been baptized as we celebrate this sacrament. On behalf of the session, I present Isla Ave Ann Parker, Eleanor Lily Parker, and William Becker Carlisle for the sacrament of baptism. Amanda and Ben, do you desire that your son be baptized? We do. Matt and Krista, do you want to have your daughter baptized? Through baptism, we enter the covenant that God has established. And within this covenant, God gives us new life and guards us from evil and nurtures us with deep love. And embracing this promise, we choose whom we will serve by turning from evil and toward Jesus Christ. As God embraces you within this covenant, we ask you to reject sin, to profess faith in Jesus Christ, to confess the faith of the church, the faith in which we baptize. So friends, trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce the way of sin that separates us from the love of God in Christ? Do you? Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him to be Lord and Savior? Do you? 
relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith and to teach that faith to your child? Do you? Do we, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture Will, Isla, and Ellie by word and deed, with love and prayer, encouraging them to know and follow Christ and to be a faithful member of his church? I have questions for the children who've come from the Sunday school class today because you are representing all of the good friends and Christian people that are down in Sunday school today. So I ask you, do you promise to be a friend to Will and Isla and Ellie? If they need direction, will you show them the way? If they fall down, will you help them up? And will you play with Will, Ellie, and Isla and learn with them the stories of Jesus? Friends, together then let us stand now to profess the faith of the church, the faith in which we baptize, using the words of the Apostles' Creed. Please stand in body or in spirit. Saying, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray. We give you thanks, eternal God, for in countless ways you reveal yourself and bless us with signs of your grace. We praise you that through the waters of the sea you led your people out of bondage into freedom in the new land of promise. We praise you for sending Jesus, your son, who for us was baptized in the waters of the Jordan and was anointed as the Christ by your Holy Spirit. Through the baptism of his death and resurrection, you free us from sin and death. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon this water, that it may be a fountain and deliverance and rebirth. Pour out your Spirit on the ones to be baptized, that they are washed, renewed, and grafted into the body of Christ and his risen life. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Let the people say, Amen. Amen. <laughs> Name your child. William Becker. William Becker. William Becker. Child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. With this water, your baptism is sealed, and you are marked as Christ's own forever. O oh Lord, uphold William by your spirit. Give him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, the spirit of joy in your presence, this day and always. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>
your child, Eleanor Lilly, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. With this water, your baptism is sealed, and you are marked as Christ's own forever. <laughs> o Lord, uphold Eleanor by your spirit. Give her the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, the spirit of joy in your presence. Amen. Name your child. Isla Abian, you are a child of the covenant. And with this water, God has drawn you into God's covenant of love and grace and mercy and will forever mark you with grace and peace. God's mercy is rich and real. God's grace is tender and kind. God's love is unceasing and will bless you from this day to the very end of your days. Amen. And now, spirit of mercy, rest rich upon this and every child that your love may be full of grace and mercy for all these days. Amen. See what love the Father has that we should be called children of God. And so, so we, we are. are. Let us welcome with singing these newest members of our First Perez family. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.